The broadcast you're about to hear was made possible because somewhere a radio friend made the choice to give. You too can become a radio friend to someone in need of an encouraging word right now. Just visit walkwiththeking.org and click the donate button. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, radio friends. How in the world are you? You doing all right? Oh, I pray so. Every day before I start these broadcasts, I pray that God may put his truth and his love into my heart and into my voice so that regardless of the fact that we've never met and may never meet physically this side of the glory, you'll know there's somebody there that thinks about you and cares about you and wants somehow to share God's good things with you. I trust there'll be something just specially for you today in answer to prayer. Oh, we're looking at 1 Peter 1. He said, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Our Lord Jesus spoke of the word as good seed. The good seed is the word, said he. God's word planted in your heart. Now, how does that work? Well, quite simply, the word of God takes... Uh, shape in your life. First of all, when you read it, many people never read their Bibles. They may look at them, glance at them, look for some familiar verse. I have many verses underlined in one of my Bibles, and in the morning hours especially, I look into that well-worn Bible, and I find precious passages underlined that I just sort of uh, chew on and, and smack my spiritual lips over. Uh, and that's good. But the Bible is to be read Dr. Walter Wilson of, of uh, uh, sainted memory used to say in his whimsical way, open up your King James Version of the Bible and you'll find that it says appointed to be read. <laughs> well, of course it is. You read it. Then second, meditate on it. That is, think about it. What is this saying to me? And why is it saying it? And what of it? And what ought I to do about it? Meditate on it. Third, memorize the Word of God. Every passage that you read has some special verse that you ought to fix in memory. And don't give me that old line about you can't remember. You know you can remember things that are important. You know your Social Security number, and you know your phone number, and you know a number of other things that you've memorized. No question about that. So you can memorize something if you work at it. Uh, long ago, Jim Rayburn, the founder of the of the Young Life uh, Crusade, many years ago said to me, it would be in the early 1940s, he said, if you'll say a verse over with the reference once a day for seven weeks, you'll have the verse and it will have you. And that, of course, is absolutely true. I took him at his word and began that procedure with the Navigator's uh, topical memory system of 108 verses arranged by topics. And many of them, of course, I knew from a child, but others were were new to me, and so uh, I said them over with the reference, and, and before long they were fastened in my memory, and then the, the fourth step is, is get it back into your unconscious mind. The old-timers used to call it subconscious, but that's, that's gone out of vogue now, and they call it the unconscious mind. That's, that's the computer portion of your mind that occupies uh, the space around your cerebellum or wherever it is, and uh, you, you put the you put the Word of God in your conscious memory by 
meditating upon it and memorizing it, and then you allow the Holy Spirit of God to get it back into the computer portion of your mind where he can bring it out when you need it. And that is how the Word of God changes your your entire life. It takes hold of the instinctual reactions that you have to the to the various situations in life that you experience. The Word of God. Now he says, "...it liveth and abideth forever." It is a living document. The Bible is a living document. Uh, the writer to the Hebrews says, The word of God is quick, that's our word, alive, alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This is a living document. If you dare to read it, you'll find that it's speaking to you. And God, through the indwelling Holy Spirit that indwells the believer, is speaking to you through his word. It's alive. And it's powerful. And then he says it abideth forever. God's word doesn't change. Don't, uh, don't treat yourself to any double talk about the Bible. If God didn't mean it, he wouldn't have said it. But he did say it, and he did mean it, and you and I better heed it. That's the, that's the axiomatic truth there. It liveth and abideth Forever. Now, uh, Peter draws a contrast here. All flesh, said he, is as grass, and all the glory of man like the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. This message of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation through faith in him is based on the eternal word of God, and it isn't going to change. Everything else about human nature changes. We had a reunion back in October of uh, last year in Chicago where all of the original leaders of Youth for Christ were gathered together. Tory Johnson was our first international president, and he was there, and uh, all the other succeeding presidents of, of Youth for Christ were there, the old rally directors uh, who used to appear on the platform with a bow tie complete with flashing electric lights and all of that, you know. <laughs> They were all there. But after after nearly 50 years, well, 40 some anyway, it was a it was surprising to see how folk had changed, you know, the wrinkles had appeared, the hair had thinned out, the uh, the corpus delicti was pretty thick around the middle, the hearing aid had appeared and the, and uh, the uh, bifocals and trifocals so on. Uh, things change. Oh, yes. People change. Oh, yes. Situations change. Oh, yes. Localities change. Oh, yes. When I was a boy, we lived at 18th and Euclid in Cleveland, Ohio. That was the location of the Spencerian Commercial School, of which my father was the janitor. And there was a little three-room flat in the basement, which was part of his compensation, and that's where he lived. He and my sister Mildred and I my mother had gone to heaven, and that was the little family. But it was home sweet home, and I never knew that we were poor or disadvantaged. I didn't have the sense to go out and and uh, and uh, parade and demonstrate against it. <laughs> I had to wait to another generation to do that. But uh, that was it. And I used to uh, sit in the front window of the two-story stone building that uh, housed the classrooms of that school uh, facing on Euclid Avenue, 
and watch the cars going by, and I could tell the make and model of every one of them. That was my hobby as a six- and seven-, eight-year-old boy. I, I, I knew the cars and the make and model of them. And then Euclid Avenue was, was paved in those days with wooden blocks covered with tar. Can you imagine that? And can you imagine how slippery that would get when it rained? Well, it did, I'll tell you. And so one of my indoor sports was going up there on a rainy day and watching the cars skid around and very secretly hoping that maybe somebody would have a have a fender bender and I could see the excitement. <laughs> Today, that whole area is a parking lot. Gone is the building with its memories of childhood. And everything is different. And the, the street, of course, is paved with a different kind of paving material. And the streetcars are gone. And the church across the street, Eugle Avenue Baptist Church, is gone. I used to go to that church. I sat on the aisle and listened to Paul Rader preach and saw uh, Lance Latham and Merrill Dunlop playing the twin pianos, all of that. I went as a boy to hear William Jennings Bryan speak in that church. It's gone now. Everything's changed. Well, that's the way it is, isn't it? You can't do anything about it. But the Word of God, it says, liveth. It's alive. It'll speak to you if you let it. And it abideth forever. Hallelujah. No change today. And your Savior remains. Hebrews says Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. You can, you can count on him. Oh, yes, you can. That's a great comfort to me, you know, because I can see as, as the years go by that things are different and, and attitudes are different and the culture is changing and, and, uh, and all of that. Well, let it, let it, uh, rock along with it, roll along with the tide, change where you must, but depend upon the, uh, the everlasting gospel, the rock-solid truth of the Word of God, inerrant, infallible, eternal Word of God, the Bible, you can depend upon it. Now, that's what Peter's talking about. Born again by the Word of God. Why? Because everything around you is changing. It's just like the grass that withers. Uh, you know, you, it comes up and the little delicate flowers. Did you ever examine the flowers on a blade of grass? So delicate. I have a book in my library that was written by a, an artist who made a, a, a lifetime career, I, I suppose it started as a hobby and it turned out to be a career, of painting the flowers of the grasses of the world. Some of them exquisitely beautiful. Tiny, tiny, tiny little flowerlets that nobody notices, but God has put the, 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 the beauty uh, that is almost breathtaking into them. The flower of the grass. He says, it's gone overnight, and so it is. And that's what your life and mine is. It passes by so quickly, but God's word abides forever. You can, you can anchor to the word of God. You can stand firm on the word of God. You can risk, listen, you can risk any situation on obedience to the word of God, and you'll never lose out. You can risk any decision, any situation on obedience to the word of God, and you'll never lose out. Hallelujah. The word of the Lord endureth forever. Now he says, you're connected because you've received the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. You've received the gospel based on the Bible. He said, this is the word 
which by the gospel is preached unto you. How do you make God's eternal word become the anchor of your soul? You trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You hide the word in your heart, and it does control your attitudes, your thoughts, and your reactions, and your decisions as a result. That's good truth, isn't it? Now he says, wherefore, this is chapter 2, verse 1. Wherefore, what is the result of getting serious about the Word of God? Laying aside. There are some things I have to deal with. My pet sins, the things that I make excuses for. Have you ever known someone who was chronically late and they always had a reason for it? It's funny almost, isn't it? You know that, that Jane or John Doe, whoever they may be, they're going to be late. So, all right, they come in, they're 10 minutes late, and they say, oh, there was such a terrible traffic jam on Route 80. <laughs> well, shucks, if it hadn't been that, it would have been something else. You know, we have our excuses for our shortcomings and our pet sins. We have to face up to that if we're going to get serious about the Word of God. That's what we're saying here. If you're going to get serious about God's Word, I shall have to face up to the things that I've been excusing in my life. What are they? Laying aside all malice. That is a feeling of anger and envy and, and, and uh, ill will toward other human beings. Lay it aside. Well, time is gone on this broadcast. I'm coming back to this the next time we get together. Dear Father, today, may the Word of God take hold in our lives so that we'll be anchored on God's eternal rock of truth. In Jesus' name I ask it, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.